Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, January 23rd, 2022. I'm Larry Rhodes or Doubter5. And as usual, we have our co-host Wombat on the line with us. Hello, Wombat. Hello. Hey, pasa. And our guests today are uh, Jeremy Schultz. Is that Jeremy Schultz, right? And where are you located, yeah. Jeremy? I'm in Ames, Iowa. Ames, Ooh, Iowa. Wow. Okay. Welcome to the Home show. Of Iowa State University. All right. Looks like loans. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. <laughs> John Richards from over the pond from England. Uh, uh, you're in London, is that right? Or a little outside? I'm on the coast. He's clearly in London right now. Look behind. <laughs> Look at his background. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, it's a green screen. And from a little south of Knoxville, uh, in a small town in East Tennessee, George Brown, two and a half. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so Did- cold. He's frozen right now. So don't yeah. <laughs> don't let that bother you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you think you're the only non-believer in town, well, you're just not. Even in Knoxville, in a small Bible Belt town in Tennessee, we have over a thousand members. So you must have several in your town. Start club. We'll talk more about it later on. Um, we'll tell you more about the Knoxville Club, Atheist Society of Knoxville, after the mid-show break. Wombat, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're talking about the thoughts of the days and brace yourself because it's going to be very European. I'm I'm looking forward to it. But we do have a guest on the show. Why don't we do a quick introduction? Jerry, tell us your whole life story in 30 seconds. Go. (laughs) I'm Jeremy Scholes. I uh, have lived in Iowa most of my life. I spent a brief summer in Portland, Oregon, but otherwise it's been Iowa. was raised Lutheran, but left the faith when I was like 15 uh, and have been kind of dappled in like neo-paganism and oh, interesting. stuff like that. Okay. But okay, then okay. just gave it all up, said, uh, said I, I really don't know. I'm kind of uh, just exploring right now. I met mm-hmm. John and that's how I uh, got on to this lovely program. I dig it. I dig it. Jeremy, you said you were a Lutheran before. That tends to be the most placid of all forms of Christianity. It seems really in the vibe with Iowa, especially Ames. Why did you leave in the first place? Not to, I, not, to, not to make the assumption that you were born Christian, but like I'm saying, like, why did you leave the Lutheran? Seems like a cool click. Uh, well, I just couldn't. <laughs> there was some cognitive dissonance. You know, what I was uh, learning in science and and everything else just didn't jibe with the Lutheran beliefs. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's why I gave it up. Didn't jive. Very good. Very well. It, I had this, I had a similar experience myself going, uh, growing up. I realized I could not multiply my fish sandwiches and I got very frustrated. <laughs> right. John, I have so many thoughts on what Jeremy said, but I know you got thoughts of your own. Why don't you walk us through it? 
Right. Well, this thought for the day thing is, is a, a two-minute slot on BBC Radio 4 that we've been subjected to since 1970. And we've only ever, I think, twice had a right of reply. And there's an interesting story about that because it, one of the rights of reply or the opportunities to give an alternative view from the Christian one, because as you know, we've got this silly situation of an established church. Right. Right. And uh, the only uh, one of the opportunities that was given to an atheist was given to Richard Dawkins. And he gave such, a, such an address that he offended so many people, they immediately uh. took it off. And if you try and find it on the internet now, it says this website has been removed. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. But, that, so you can even find a clip on YouTube of it or anything like no, that? No, it's, it's gone. They've erased it. But Bleached what we, from the internet. Mm-hmm. What we what we That's do right. have, you might be able to find it on Wayback Machine or something like that. But what we do have, thanks to the Humanist UK, is the text. So we've got the script from from his. You'd you'd like me to read a couple of bits from this. He started out by saying, "When a terrible disaster happens, an air crash, a flood, or an earthquake, people thank God that it wasn't worse. But then, why did he let the earthquake happen at all? Or?" Even more childish and self-indulgent, thank God for the traffic jam that made me miss that plane. But what about all the unfortunate people who didn't miss the plane? The same kind of infantile regression tempts us when we try to understand the natural world. And they didn't like being referred to as infantile. He ends it by saying... That's weird because they're literally called children of God or children or sheep of the flock. Or like I, I the Holy Father, like, <laughs> come on, guys, you can't have it both ways. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But he, en- he ends it by saying humanity can leave the crybaby phase and finally come of age. Now, that caused so many ructions that, mm. that we were never allowed to have the, the two-minute broadcast again. Wow. But what I've started doing is my own right to reply. Mm. So, and I'd like to get you guys' opinion of this. So I'm going to play a recording of one of the recent thoughts for the day. And I'm, I'm going to stop it when you put your hands up because you want to say something to refute what's, what you've just heard. Okay. Sounds good. So everybody on the radio, we are watching as a clip is being played. And when we pause the show, it's because one of us made an effort to speak up. George Brown, um, feel free to unmute yourself and just jump into the conversation whenever you need to. Yeah, I'm jumping. <laughs> okay. Go for it, John. Here goes. In an age when advertisements can be withdrawn for misrepresentation and political claims can be fact-checked, shouldn't religious propaganda be subjected to the same critical analysis? <laughs> This is Thought for the Day Debunked. You are listening to a program from BBC Radio 4. The Reverend Dr. Giles Fraser, Rector of St. Mary Newington. Good morning. It was on this day in 1844 that Charles Darwin wrote probably his most famous letter to his best friend, Joseph Hooker, in which he began tentatively to explain his ideas about natural selection. It's like confessing to a murder, Darwin wrote. And for many in the coming decades, the victim of this murder was none other than the Almighty himself. Oh, man. Notice, 
So yeah. you obviously have some comments that you're going to put in there. Quite what I'm noticing about these thoughts of the days were I'm going to just be honestly here, uh, speak honestly here. One, it seems like it started off with a good intention of just helping people be thoughtful and charitable with, you know, some degree of empathy about the human condition before they head out to the start of their day. And mm. then somehow now, especially after what you had just told me about the Richard Dawkins situations, mm. it has become this back and forth sort of toxic sort of tit, tit, tit and tat, or it's yeah. like, one, I'm not a Christian, so why do I have to subject myself to some pastor talking to me every day? Now yes. I finally have a chance to talk. Let me tell you all the problems I have with this guy. Oh, now I'm the Christian again. You're not going to have your shot anymore. And now I'm going to complain about the things you said way back when. It's like, you got not, not only do I not have a, a chance to respond to that anymore, that's just going to make me even more vicious. I feel like it's uh, lost its point. Uh, it's Jeremy, intrusive. It started out as a homily, you know, and a few yeah. words at the beginning of the day, but it's turned, it's turned into mostly Christian propaganda. Mm, Jeremy, how do, you, do you feel? How do you feel? It's, it's kind of a radical start to a thought yeah. of the day, don't you think? Murder. <laughs> and yeah. The mice and God. And Darwin murders God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I can see how... I kind of feel like evolution and religion are independent of one another. Like mm. one could be proven false and it wouldn't have any bearing on the truth of the other. Right. Mm. So if I, if I were to prove evolution false, it wouldn't then make God true or Christianity true. Well put. If I could prove Christianity false, that wouldn't make evolution true. I mean, it, so it seems like there's, I, I encounter this a lot on online, um, and yeah. I, I, that's just the first thought that came to my mind when I was listening to this segment. Larry, do you feel the same? Evolution, proving it true or wrong, doesn't necessarily mean religion is true. And I'm only speaking because you're on mute, my friend. So don't mind me as I'm just talking. <laughs> I just, no, I used to do a lot of uh, Ask an Atheist tables, you know, in public, uh, but kind of coronavirus put an end to that. But I did it for years, and you'd be surprised at the people that would sit down and say, well, where do you think we came from? Like it makes any difference at all. I could say pink unicorns created us, and that would be silly, and they would say so. But that doesn't remove their burden of proof for their own claims, you know, for the claims of um, magic or miracles or uh, poofing us uh, from dust or making us from ribs. They're making all these claims, not not provo providing any evidence at all. And, you know, they think that they can shift the burden simply by asking us where we right. think everything came from. Absolutely. George Brown, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Do you think evolution and prove or finding issues with it is a good way to prove religion? Um, this whole line of reasoning is new to me. Mm. So um, it's like. I take the I take it in and I ponder it. You know, it's it's not in my background mm. to to be engaged with people in arguments of this kind, and I'm 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 just puzzled. I mean, here I am living in the Bible Belt, sure. and I 
I find that conversations I have with people sometimes seem, seem very strange to me, and I don't quite understand why. And the only um, the only thought I have coming back to what Larry just said is that this is the way that these people have been trained to think. Right. I'm right, and you are wrong. Basically, right. it comes down to that. No matter what. No matter in what. Of I mean, any evidence? Yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't, know, I don't know if I'm correct about that. It's just what I I'm think. I'm glad that it is strange to you because this should be strange. That is the actually, in my head, the mm. right reaction. It shouldn't be something that you hear and think, oh, yeah, that's normal. You should totally have those kinds of arguments. It's like, no, this is very bizarre. We're living in a weird twilight zone where mm. there's a great majority of people that believe you know, that there's this supernatural concept to the universe that hasn't been proven or demonstrated once in the history of mankind. You know what? I'm going to, I'm tired of poking fun at Christians. I'm actually going to put on my Christian hat right now. I got my Christian hat on right now. And from my perspective, <laughs> I feel like there was a missed opportunity in marketing here. I'm saying this as a Christian to the, the reverend that is speaking right now, because you have what I love. What I love the most in my whole Christian life is an angry atheist. You have an angry little vile atheist who's popular and everybody knows his name, and he's a great mascot for angry atheism, which is a brand new thing. It's n- it's never been around before, so I'm I'm coining it right now. It's a brand new thing, angry atheism. It's just as wrong as all the other new ones. And put him on the radio, show how angry he is, put it on every week, and then immediately back program it with me being calm and being like, you know what? I forgive Richard. He's clearly very angry. He clearly needs God. <laughs> Let me go back to the the peaceful word of the days. And then whenever I feel like I'm losing some of that tithe little sugar, I just throw that little Richard angry atheist clip back on again, get everybody riled up. And then they come back to me. Genius. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I don't know why he didn't take the opportunity. The marketing was right there. Anyway, thank God he did it. <laughs> John, how do you feel before we go back? You can take us back in anytime you're ready. Well, I, I had a response which I've recorded into into this here, so I could either I, I'm going to play that and listen to it myself. <laughs> sure. So we're now going to listen to John listening to himself. Isn't that great? <laughs> Riveting YouTube guys, go for it. Despite there being no evidence for his actual existence, sixteen years later. Hooker was also there at that famous argument between Bishop Wilberforce and Thomas Huxley that set the tone for the whole of the Victorian debate about science and religion. The bishop asked Huxley if he was descended from an ape on his mother or his father's side. And Huxley. This is a famous historical encounter. Sure. And my contention is because he goes on to say that um, Huxley then took against the Christians. And my contention is that the bishop was deliberately offensive. Of course, Huxley would, would take against him because that's what he wanted to happen. Sure. I also hear a, con- a conflation. Oh, I also hear a conflation of evolution being, oh, we're descended from acorns, which is, you know, more steps away from the idea of being descended from monkeys. It's the same root problem of no it's a branch. Yes. Larry's doing the example. It's a branch. It's not a linear fashion evolution. Yeah. And the funny part is the biochemist in me, the PhD biochemist is like, 
actually acorns are more genetically complex than human beings because they have three sets of DNA in every cell. They have the ones from mitochondria, they have the nucleus, and then they also have this coroplast uh, uh, whole yeah. organelle that can take light and turn it into to mm. sugar, like UV sunlight and turn that into like food. We can't do that. That's crazy. That's And we only got two pairs for us per cell. It's kind of crazy. But Jeremy, it looked like you may want to say some things. What's going on with you? How do you feel about the idea of you're descended from an acorn? I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, I was kind of just reminded of like the Scopes monkey trial. Um, mm. It's kind of the, the analog here in the States, I guess, about what schools um, can teach. Um, I, but I mean, other than that, I don't really have many other thoughts about it. So Scopes monkey trial is a good one. And what I found enlightening was the entire transcript is available in a textbook form that people can read as part of like a high school curriculum. And when I was a Christian in high school, I read that and I was cheering for the religious side. I remember oh, that very clearly. Really? And when I realized that their side lost, I was like, ah, and I just put the book away. I mean, I just was like, well, the religious oh, side, religious side won on the scopes monkey trial. Not as hard as they, I wanted them to. <laughs> Cause the whole time I'm like, this guy, the religious guy, feels like he's losing. Like he's not mm -hmm. making any points. None yeah. of his arguments are making right. any sense. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, this guy's making yeah. me upset. Because if I was there, I'd be like, let me tell you about yeah. the evolution guy. Well, the deck was stacked against uh, the uh, evolution in the small town of uh, hey, Dayton, Tennessee. It yeah. still is. It still mm -hmm. is. Even yeah. in big cities like Knoxville, it's mm -hmm. still, it's still. It's still watered down, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. yep. Just for the benefit of the audience, some of you may not know the history of this. Although the Scopes religious side won, shortly after, the federal government came out and said you're not allowed to teach um, creation as though it's an equivalent alternative to evolution. Mm -hmm. And for many years, that, that prevailed mm -hmm. until the Dover versus Kids right. Miller trial. Right. Mm -hmm. In Pennsylvania. <laughs> They had another go. <laughs> and that another. video is an excellent video as well. And, and I recommend yeah. people find it and, and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost that time. Mm -hmm. And the weirdest thing is I've actually been in undergraduate and we're looking at fossils. We had, we went out on a field trip, pulled fossils out from the side of a road. Like one of those, have you ever driven down the road and you've seen like cut um, cliffs on both sides. Mm -hmm. That is deep enough where you can get into like pretty great fossil records. In fact, oil companies will use those kinds of like superficial layers to determine where much more useful stuff is, you know, kilometers below the ground, kilometers behind the ground. And so there's a really beautiful fossil called Constellara fabulosa that if you find it, it's a seashell that has stars on it, literal, like perfect little pattern stars on it. If you find it, guarantee there's oil, guarantee there's oil. We got a lot of plant digested plant matter and, and, and whatever below. And when I was looking at that, I was like, oh, that's so great. Like, that's must be how oil companies did. And I was, I remember, and the teacher was like, yeah, that's how they do it. And then a kid raised his hand in the background and the teacher's like, you can talk. And the guy's like, well, I don't believe that because I believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the whole thing was like, oh no, because we were in the back of my head. I was already becoming an atheist by that point, And we were the only two black kids in the room. And I'm like, no, don't make me look bad. <laughs> I'm not with this guy. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. And then, but most of the, probably like 50% of the class already agreed with that guy anyway, but I was just like, yeah, but we're, we are, there are black atheists as well. Like it's, it's totally a thing. I'm sorry for that tangent, John. 
Well, I'm, I'm interested, actually. I didn't know no, you go had for it, go background, Ty. I yeah. didn't know that you, you came out of a religion. Mm. And, and I know your age is um, a lot younger than me. And I'm wondering whether you were exposed to of pandas and people. Did you, did you meet that textbook? Wait, did you say of pandas and people? Yeah. Did you no, meet that not... textbook? No. What is this textbook? Talk to me. Really? Oh, well, it's, um, it's a creation. It started life as a creationist textbook. And they, they almost got sales to a large number of school districts in the, the Bible Belt. And then the, the Dover Kitzmiller trial came about. Oh, and they had, they had I had this book. It. I had this book. Yeah, I yeah. I just looked it up. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. they, had to, they had to rejig it because they realized that they were disobeying the law because creationism mm. was banned in schools at that time. So it was illegal to have that book. So what they did was they went through it with a search and replace piece of yeah. software. And oh, they, yeah. every, every place where it said previously creationist, they substituted um, intelligent design pr yes. proponent. Correct. Fortunately, the software didn't work perfectly. So in at least one occasion, it says intelligent design proponentist oh c intelligent creation pro intelligent presided yeah, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, two I, phrases mixed up so it well, began with the c from creation then it went into intelligent design and it ended with the ist of creationist <laughs> so, you're absolutely right about this book i totally had this growing up i remember yeah. this cover i didn't know it was one of those books that's how yeah, indoctrinated yeah. you could be when i had it but I can also tell you that I've gone to the Collegiate University of Tennessee, Kentucky, University of Kentucky, UK's bookstore when I was hanging out with Eric. And I just wanted to see what kind of books were there and what they said about biology. And not only were the sections on evolution depressingly short, just like a couple of par paragraphs, many of them, in fact, most of them had the capital C creator as uh, the supplementary explanation over everything that was explained in the top paragraph yeah. to define what, in my opinion, is and what actually is the third pillar of biology. It's like the third law of biology. It's like evolution and life changes over time. It's like, you can even just say that? No, that's crazy. Uh, nutty. So there you go. Now, that was the final straw in the, in the Dover versus Kitzmiller case. The, wow. the, C, the C intelligent design proponentist was a giveaway. Larry, how much time we got before we go out for the top of the half hour? Oh, we're getting there. I'd say another two, three minutes. But okay, uh, one okay. of the other things that really uh, sunk that ship in the Dover trial was that uh, the creationists ended up lying to the judge wow. about where the money came from for some of the things that happened in there, uh, saying that, oh, we didn't give them money for this. Uh, and then the judge found out their name was at the bottom of the check. And judges don't like being lied to. It doesn't help the case. Good judges don't. Good judges. And this, you would think that this would be like a, a very liberal judge, uh, uh, you know, from a, like a, an, an elite uh, college and, and uh, appointed by a liberal president. But it was a George W. Bush appointee. He was a conservative judge. He looked at all the evidence and said that intelligent design was creationism yeah. and it was religion and it was illegal to teach it in school 
Yep. It's crazy the extent of polarization in the US where I used to flinch when I heard George W. Bush. And now it's just like, oh, that guy, what a relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely a step up from the last president. George Brown, you got a quick point? Go for it. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if we had exhausted um, John's topic. I think we were talking about the BBC and and this. Um, I've got more of it if you want. I got more of I want more of it. In fact, we'll get to more of it right after this, this break, the short break. Okay. Larry? Sure. Yep. Uh, this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. We're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we'll be right back after this short break.
Welcome back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five, and we're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, let's talk about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002. We're in our 20th year. ASK has over a thousand members, and we have weekly in person meetings in the Knoxville Old City Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria. Look for us inside at the high-topped tables. Usually, we're in the center, the loudest and happiest group. Uh, we also have weekly virtual meetings if you don't like to get out during COVID. If you'd like to join our Tuesday evening virtual Zoom meetings, you can email us, and we'll send you the link. Uh, send it to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheists.org or letschatse at gmail.com. Um, by the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you still go to meet up and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one. Start, Start one. bet. Uh, where do you want to pick up? Yeah, I want my think my takeaway on the first half is if they just called it unintelligent design, I think I'd be way more likely to be on board because yeah. that just makes mm-hmm. way more sense. It'll explain why I have nipples. And two of them at that, right? Evolution is unintelligent design. Yeah, if you sure. just say, hey, it's unintelligent design, things are just mm-hmm. happening. And like, yep. if there was a designer, he's not good. <laughs> so it's right. probably a guy. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's too many corners and, and uh-huh. sawed off parts. So who knows? Mm-hmm. John Richards, why don't you take us to uh, our next subject? Go for it. Yeah, well, I'll play a bit more of this recording of uh, the thought for the day of a few, a uh, couple of weeks ago. And you'll see where I take exception to them having a platform. How dare they? Here we go. He said by the bishop with his deliberately ridiculing question. And this is a cherry-picked quote. Let's tell the full story. Huxley is said to have replied that he would not be ashamed to have a monkey for his ancestor, but he would be ashamed to be connected with a man who used his great gifts to obscure the truth. Obviously, like many of his scientific friends, developed a visceral dislike of the Church of England and of its unwarranted sense of intellectual privilege. A justifiably visceral dislike of the Church of England, wouldn't you say? But I wonder if... So, so there you go. It, it, the guys, the, the Church of England, start out by being offensive and then they accuse us of disliking them <laughs> right I imagine why yeah i wonder i'm really wondering what's your next thought of the day what would be the what was the next subject on that well uh yeah i've got four of these now that i've recorded my responses to i call them thought for the day debunked and you'll be able to see them on my website no no my youtube channel which i plug at the end of this show very but, cool um, but uh, they, they it's difficult to say what they focus on because that one was particularly evolutionarily based. But sure. usually, usually it's just some sort of ramble through pretty, pretty things. And then suddenly 
slam, Jesus comes in. Okay, kick <laughs> we, the doors down. Yeah, we call it Jesus smuggling because uh, to them, the, the explanation, the answer to everything is not, you know, vaccines or uh, um, we, we've Physics. evolved morality. It's always, the, the only explanation is always Jesus. So true. Yeah, so do you want me to delve yeah. in delve into a different one? Yeah. Let's I haven't finished I haven't finished that one, but I'll give you that a take. Is another we wouldn't do it in, in this show. It would be another five minutes and thirty seconds. No, no, no. I'll, I'll delve into oh. one which is uh is, is done by a woman. Okay. Okay, I'll play a bit of this one. Here we go. You are listening to a program from BBC Radio 4. The Reverend Dr. Isabel Hamley, theological advisor to the House of Bishops. Good morning. Growing up in France, the 6th of January was a significant date in everyone's calendar, the day to look forward to once Christmas and presents were over. It was Epiphany, the celebration of the three kings or wise men coming to see Jesus. My family wasn't religious, but we still made special cakes, king's cakes, galette des rois, within which we hid a little figure of Jesus. It was one of the great excitements of the year as a child to see which lucky person would find Jesus in a pastry and spit him out triumphantly. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think Jesus, like I said, would be very confused when he comes back and realizes our sudden love of crosses. And he's just like, don't you know I hate those? <laughs> don't you know I really, really, really hate those? Okay, well, okay, well, we'll take them away, but you got to check out this thing. We take you as a baby, put you in food, and then spit you out. Isn't that awesome? It's like, how isn't this one of the blasphemy things? Don't you know that's at least four rules <laughs> in the Ten Commandments? <laughs> that's at least four of them. Well, my response was, don't try this at home. Don't put inedible things in your cakes to choke your children. Oh, I didn't even know they were inedible. I thought it was like a sugar treat or something that you could just mass produce. No, I, no. Why hasn't America gone on that? Yeah. Sugar Jesuses, sugar babies. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's Jeremy, why. Are you familiar with this concept? Have you ever heard of this? Is it Easter what we're talking about? Is this an Easter tradition? Catholic Christmas. Christmas. Oh, she said January six or, or June six yeah. or something like that. Like after Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, after Christmas. Yeah. After Christmas. Okay, so mm. baby Jesus in pieces of bread. Have you ever seen it before, Jeremy? No. First, I've heard of it. Okay. Is this a French tradition? Yeah, it was because she was born in France. Uh, but we have a similar one here where yeah. we, put, we put silver thropney bits or more recently silver sixpences. Do you want me to say thropney bits again? <laughs> silver, <laughs> silver sixpences in, in Christmas puddings. And, and there have been. I don't know what any of these words mean. <laughs> All right. So a pence is a cent and pudding is not pudding, but is actually like um, pastry dough. It's like a, a it's like a soft fruit cake or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. a boiled it's a boiled cake that you have afterwards with custard custard. So don't know what that yeah. is either. It's fine. Keep going. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. Trust me. It tastes good. Yeah. 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 So the, the thing is, there's been one or two babies or children who have been hospitalized with a oh, throbby wow. bit stuck in their throat because, of course, their God designed our throats to have a crosswalk path, you know? So Right, right, right. Yeah. The intelligent design. You should breathe yes. and drink through the same hole. That, I don't <laughs> think there's going to be a problem with that. Everything's good there, right? 
We shouldn't be able to breathe and eat at the same time. And then the dolphins are like, I want a revision two, please. It's like, okay, well, top of your head. Cause I thought I had something good going here, but uh, Larry, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, the idea that um, a lot of the traditions that we have to celebrate God's in almost out of context, almost look like blasphemy in practice. Oh, the way that we practice it. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Um, I can't think of any specific examples right off, but the ones that you mentioned uh, do break all kinds of rules. Uh, I mean, even painting a picture of and putting it up on the wall is iconographic or icon, uh, worshiping an icon. Iconography. Yeah, right. iconography, uh, which is expressly forbidden in, uh, in the commandments. So, I mean, just one thing after another. Um, also but there are a lot of practices in uh, in religious observances themselves uh, that do that, like eating the body of Christ. I know that uh, Jesus himself, you know, said, "Eat this and all that according to the body, the Bible." But the rest of the Bible really wouldn't su- will support that, especially the earlier Testament. The weird thing is, when you make the body of Christ out of crackers and juice, you break them apart, you give them out to everybody, and when there's some left over, you just throw it away. <laughs> right. and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want crackers and juice. I got better food at home. Just throw it away. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're throwing away Jesus. Don't mm-hmm. doesn't that? Didn't you misconnect there? And well, how come? Question the is. Go ahead. Question is: Should the leftover crackers be crucified or just buried? <laughs> <laughs> And does uh, holy wine go uh, go bad? It should right? I mean, yeah. technically, it's I mean, how could it if it's holy? But if it didn't, it would be wine. I don't know. I don't know how holy works. I don't know how magic works. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Uh, yeah, but that's a nice little tangent. Let's get let's get back into it, John. Well, I wanted to ask George after following what we were talking about last week. <laughs> what's the difference between sourdough and unleavened bread? Ooh. Uh, listen, I have no idea. I um, well, sourdough. You know, having lived in San Francisco for many years, um, sourdough is a tradition in San Francisco, and as far as I know, it's made from generations of saving a ball of dough. You know, right. you keep on saving it and using it as, as a starter. It's of course, it's disgusting. it's just all biology, and. Um, the thing that that always puzzled me about, let's say, matzah, for instance, unleavened bread, or uh, white rice in in Asia, is is um, the the tradition of matzah that I know is is uh, white flour is used, and that implies to me that the uh, that the good part of the flour is is ground away, you know, of, of the wheat. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So how did they do that back in the old days? Is this, did they really do that? And, and Only the like, ones who did it right survived. That's how they did it. Back <laughs> Everyone else is I like, mean, yeah, you can eat this. The, oh, we're they're good. taking all the nutrition out by, I mean, they make it stable. It's going to last forever, mm. but it has no nutrition in it. So I'm, I'm puzzled. I'm, I'm just puzzled by that. Yeah, one of the things I just looked it up online, and I was thinking that sourdough is leavened bread. So is, the biggest yeah. difference between uh, unleavened bread and sourdough is it's leavened. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Well, 
what what happens is instead of adding yeast, you add this old bit of dough, which has gone it's gone naturally yeasty thanks to there being yeast in the air. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> wild wild yeast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just I want to say I want to say too that I I don't like it, you know. Oh, I do. I love sourdough. I mean, sourdough, sourdough bread. So, uh, quick little moment with my Christian hat on, real quick, before we get back into it. <laughs> but it does turn out that, and you know, partial Christian hat, partial uh, biochemistry PhD hat. Evolution has gotten things wrong. I know, isn't that crazy? Because the way how it's originally proposed didn't account for things like genetics or microbiomes. And all those, you know, more evolved, more complex factors that we realize how it, that takes significant components in how evolution takes part in the world. But the thing is, we figure that out because science is not an event. It's a process, guys. It's always been a process. Method. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah, it's a method. It's a process. It's, it's, it's a journey of discovery. And as we find out more things using science, we get a better understanding of how the world works. And that is an umbrella term for for how we've come about with the best tool set to figure out how reality works. We call it science, but it also involves so many other things. And Mm. some of that realizes is some of that is understanding that when you've done something wrong or explained something not completely, you have opportunities to get uh, more comprehensive understandings. And the, the, the beautiful thing about that compared to religion is that religion never self corrects itself or fact checks, whereas science, is always doing that. And religion and so, never seems to correct science. I mean, give one example of where science got it wrong and religion got it right. I mean, yeah, there's very, yeah, there's no, <laughs> no. Are you sure bats aren't birds, though? I don't know. We might have to come back to that. Though I would say our whole understanding of how science is today may not be what it's like 100 years from now. So, like, this might age very, very poorly. That said, the concept of how we improved our understanding of evolution won't be through religious means. It'll just be through more scientific understanding and pursuit. Right. That's the beautiful mark behind it all. all right. And it's never finished either. Science doesn't consider itself mm. in a position to be able to stop, whereas mm. religion did 2,000 years ago. True. <laughs> <laughs> mm. The ending's right there in the book. Yeah. What a revelation. All right, John. So do you want me to play a little bit more of this? Uh, yeah, this go for it. Let's hear what she did after she spit out the, the, the body of the son uh, of God. Find when they ate the spoonful. But unfortunately, maybe it was the Christian God who unintelligently designed our throat. So there's a crossover between our food tube and our breathing tube. It was just Kate, just a little figure which in history even used to be a broad bean, just a small celebration with family or friends. But in that simplicity, something precious was hidden, togetherness, a memory that for Christians, God isn't found primarily in places of wealth, influence or power, but in the ordinariness of daily life. I'm very old. I've had a lot of daily life and I've never found God. Is he in the kitchen? No. The toilet? Maybe. Perhaps not. Maybe he's in the garden, hiding. Why would he hide? <laughs> so what I'm noticing a lot is that um, religion will often forget that all the good things that come from it can be, you know, just as easily received from a secular lifestyle or secular holiday setting. And so mm-hmm. what she's saying is 
by chewing this piece of plastic that was in a cake and spitting it out in front of my friends and family as they're eating at the same time too and hoping we all maintain our appetites as we spit out the figurehead of our religious god that puts us together and i'm like you could just play playstation like that there's more controllers i guarantee you, you can a monopoly or some cards oh monopoly's gonna tear you apart larry you always go for the <laughs> troll answer but larry i do feel like um there's really nothing that religion has a monopoly on in terms of outside it's, it's oh heck no yeah uh christopher hitchens always says uh name one thing that that uh, religions, uh, one good thing that religions can do that uh, secular people can't do, right. uh, you know, and verifiable thing. I mean, they can hope for, for heaven or hell, but they can't right. verify that they're real, right. uh, that type of thing. But I can tell you, I'm the, just, I'm, I'm just as equipped to pray for somebody, mm-hmm. but I'd rather, you know, you and know there's nothing keeping any secular people for hoping for a good afterlife if they want to, right. You, know, you don't have to have religion for that. Mm. Now I am looking up the Jesus baby toys and it is in fact a, like an inch piece of plastic that you put into cake in the king cake. Yeah. It really blows my mind. Cause they should have made it out of sugar or food. Jeremy, wouldn't that have been, wouldn't that have been awesome? Because then you have essentially a, a treat a that you can like just snack on. And he's like, what are you yeah. eating? Jesus. Yeah, but, like, oh, okay. but You wouldn't discover it and spit it out. Would you just eat it? <laughs> <laughs> And where would the tradition be? Yeah, we are that fat, isn't it? But the saddest part of it all is that the G- the baby is in a crucifix position, which I, <laughs> I'm going to go a little darker, too. I think it might be ironic for the people who have gone hop- hospitalized or had to uh, go to the hospital. with The children who may have had an unfortunate incident if they died and they went to heaven because they choked on Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, welcome. And he's like, not you again. <laughs> I. <laughs> You couldn't write this. You couldn't write this. Anyway, uh, John, go for it. Or George, did you have any comments? Uh, no, I'm 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 puzzled. I'm <laughs> just puzzled by all of this because I didn't grow up with any of it. No, I have heard of this, but I've never I've never had a in depth conversation about it. It's just something mm. that I I also know that people plant, if I'm right, the saint of one of the Catholic saints in their backyards when they're about to sell their home for good luck is that a thing am i getting that right saint peter or something like that okay we're all nodding our heads vaguely at that but yeah it's a weird thing anyway john what do you got well i think she goes on to claim to have um ownership and explanation to all of nature that discovering the beauty and magic of ordinary things can turn any of us into kings into lucky people on earth. New Year is often a time for heroes and special people, as in the New Year's honors list. But they can seem remote and their achievements unattainable. Epiphany turns this logic on its head and invites everyone to discover beauty and goodness around them in things, in people, in actions of kindness and generosity. Well, fine. So so there you go. You see, it's all thanks to Jesus. Without Jesus, we'd have none of that stuff. I have a serious problem with this baby toy. And I recommend that people <laughs> people look up the Jesus toy. The plastic babies that they put into um, these cakes New Orleans King are cakes. the most jagged things possible. Mm-hmm. Like the hands look so sharp. 
And the feet are even pointed <laughs> outwards like a swimming divers. And the head is just so bulbous. There's no way you couldn't choke on this if you're trying to swallow it. If you should, you shouldn't put it in your mouth either way. But yeah, I'd rather put a 10 pence. At least then, you know, if I cough it up, I can spend it on something. Okay. All right. John, how do you feel? Let's get going. It's such bad advice, isn't it, to tell people to bake jagged ob- objects into their cakes so that <laughs> children can choke on them. It just doesn't feel like it's the sort of thing that um, naturally came it. from the Bible. It feels like it was something that people were doing already, and then someone said, you know, our, our putting toys into mm. food business is going out of business. How can we stay in business? Mm. Make it Jesus. Mm. Sell it to the Christian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. But these are jagged things. We might hurt little yeah, you break your only old people it. and little babies. Yeah. Like we, we only do this as adults as a drinking game. It's like sell mm-hmm. it to the Christians. They'll mm-hmm. put it in. They'll, they'll take ownership of it. They'll fight to have their babies in their cakes. It's like, fine, I'll just keep <laughs> making it. And capitalism at the end of the day. This this in the same way that Christmas is essentially co-opted pagan holidays from Time and memorial up to today, I feel like this is just another one of the traditions added to the list. It's like the Christmas soundtrack. We get one new song every year, and what do you know? That's what we're going to have to listen to for the rest of our lives. Isn't that great? Anyway, John Richards. I'll play a little bit more of what she's ranting on about here. Mm. Lots of beauty and kindness and generosity all around us. That's great. Are you going to claim ownership of it now, then? The word epiphany often means a moment of sudden revelation, something previously hidden coming into sight. The last couple of years have brought lots of rather unwelcome epiphanies. The realization that despite our technological advances and all our national wealth, we are still fragile, limited, and at times powerless before the forces of nature. We know that, but they don't. So I don't know why she's suddenly taken up that point of view, because the, the religious attitude is that we're God's chosen people. We're not mm. trivial at all. We're very special. And we're not vulnerable because we have the Lord to take care of us. So this, she seems to be arguing against her own religion there. Not only that, but not to be glib, but if you admit that you're powerless against the forces of nature, don't swallow pieces of plastic in your food. No. <laughs> It's a really bad combination. Don't even put them in the cake. Don't even put them in the cake. (laughs) That's right. Just just say, hey, Jerry won. We're only here because we want to be together. Why are we trying to deliberately poison ourselves? There's so many better games than this. That's right. So at the the end of her two minutes, she's saying we're vulnerable. At the beginning of her two minutes, she's saying, do this, poison us. (laughs) (laughs) Poison's fun, kids. And "And we must watch out for poison. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) I can do these. So there you go. Uh, she's almost finished. I'll just play a little bit more. The right. has reminded us that to be human is to be small and vulnerable. Hmm. It may not be knowledge we like. I can't disagree with any of that. We are trivial. We are not special, despite being God's people, so you might claim. Or want. But Epiphany reminds me that God himself chose not invulnerability or strength, but hid his glory within the fragility of humanity. It's the condescension, it's the assumption that she's right, you know, that her God really does exist, despite there being no evidence, and that that gives her an opportunity to pontificate from a pulpit at us. Well, you know, my whole point is, if I were doing this from a scientific point of view, I would say science doesn't really have 
a grand opinion on the the state of human beings. Like when we say in science terms that human being bodies are fragile, we don't mean it in a metaphorical sense. It's just like, no, if you smack us with enough force, our bodies will break and then it takes time for us to heal again, right? Essentially, right? But what she says in fragility is code words for essentially, um, remember the fact that you're vulnerable and God gives you strength. And I play this little game in my head whenever I hear a religious person use terminology like this, because it's very easy to replace, and I and this might be a grand topic, but it's very easy to replace God with me, because many people's impression of God is themselves, which is why they are offended when you don't believe in God, because you're essentially offending them. It's like, but if I was talking about your girlfriend, that you had a girlfriend, and she wasn't Canadian, if she actually existed, then that's just me who loses out. But like, why are you offended when I say your God doesn't do this because I'm actually talking about them. And so she's coming from the perspective of human beings are fragile, but God, God is not fragile and helps people. And I'm like, all she's doing is self-aggrandizing herself under the context of I am a powerful person and it feels good to help other people because that makes me feel less vulnerable. So she's prostrating or essentially what's the right word, pushing this concept of vulnerability on everybody else and not on her. And that, in her own religious point of view, helps her stay n- coherent in a weird, crazy world where she's never had the opportunity to really ask herself difficult questions in, mm. in this capacity. A lot of judgments on my part, but thats I feel like I'm hitting the nail on the head every single time. Feel free to let me know. If not. <laughs> All right. We should start winding down pretty soon. Hey, Larry, Larry's been waving. Yeah, I was just going to say that... Uh, it's just another instance of give God the credit. Don't take any for yourself. You know, yeah. you may have run that marathon and won the race, but it was God that gave you the strength. Mm. You yeah. know, you didn't do it. He did. Or the mm. doctor that saved your life. It was God that did it. And exactly. Not all the years of yeah. study he put in. And when everyone thinks they're God, and when if everyone thinks they're God, then they like that narrative. It's like, yeah, I helped that person box mm-hmm. and win that fight. Yeah, I helped win that race. It's, it's interesting you should say that, because one of the thoughts of the days was delivered by Francis Collins, who, you know, the, the former director of the uh, genome U- project. U- U.S. Genome Project. That's mm-hmm. the one. And so he, he has managed to compartmentalize his brain so that he switches off this science bit and switches on this religious bit when he walks through the door of a church <laughs> and right. so, so so he difficult. said more or less what you just said larry he's saying saying that uh, uh, he, he's got no problem with merging together these two separate magisteria mm. and it, it's weird i just can't get my head around that yeah very cool jeremy love to know what you think we should check out before the start of next week are you still with us I think Jeremy is frozen. He's looking off to the side. He's still thinking. <laughs> uh, you guys can check if you guys can check out my stuff on my let's chat on YouTube. And this has been actually kind of fun. Uh, John Richards, where can I find more of these thoughts of the day? They are on Free Thought Productions YouTube channel. There's only one up there now, but I'm going to upload another another one every day. Upload the rebuttals as with rebuttals, right? You're not yeah, just yeah. going to continue to, yeah, they should yeah. start paying you for advertising otherwise. But yeah, I'd like yeah, to. No, well, yeah, I, I, I call them debunked because it's, hmm. it's a bit of them and then a bit of me interspersed like that. So, free you, yeah, I free. have a question. I have some questions about this. Um, 
you know, we'll, we'll come back to it after the end of the show. We're, we'll yeah. just do some plugs for now. But John <laughs> Richards, what was the name out. of your site? Free Thought Productions. And I had a great chat. You'll, you'd love this one, Ty. Oh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to hear it yet, but I had a great chat with a the lead of Pfizer's technological research department Ooh. last night. And his job is to try and correlate gene sequencing with okay. microscopy. So it's, okay. it's, it should be possible. Yeah, it's very, very academic. And yeah. we, start, we start out by talking about his background because he, he was brought up by, as, as the son of a, a minister, okay. a Presbyterian minister. And then he left his own faith and became a scientist. Nice. And we, we end the show by talking about science fiction. So it's Star Wars oh, oh. versus Star Trek. You'll love it. Nice. I love it. That's a great plug for the show. And where can we find it again? One last time. Free Thought Productions. Very nice. Larry, I know we're heading out. You've been really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen, though, I mean, we only got one minute left. Would you mind telling me all about atheism, what it's about? Because I'll put it in a book. <laughs> the book is Atheism, What's It All About? It's available on Amazon, but you can read most of the articles by going to digitalfreethought.com forward slash blog uh, and read the articles that we have there. We also have atheist songs and uh, our radio show archives are there as well. If you have questions for the show, send them to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com. If you're having trouble leaving religious beliefs behind, you can get help at recoveringfromreligion.org. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you for joining us on Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Remember, you can find this show on Apple iTunes, Pocket Cast, Amazon, and podcasts everywhere. Just search for Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Remember, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life. And we'll see you next week. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.